This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Saber, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about fondue. Which was a you suggestion, Lauren. It was. Well, okay, so uh, so my birthday is coming up on Saturday. Yes, happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Yay, I'm glad I exist. Um, uh, and uh, we had recently a uh, in-person D&D group meetup. Yes, we did. For the <laughs> first time since we've been playing with this group for over a year. Yeah, it was very, very exciting. I don't know if you were there, Lauren, when I first rolled out the, because um, I have one of those mats oh. that you can write on. Yeah, yeah, I was not, but. And um, people, it was like I was unfurling the Declaration of Independence <laughs> or something. People got so excited about it, and my heart was so warmed by the, <laughs> the reaction. Oh, oh, that's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I know just, just walking in, like, I, I like, almost started crying like because it was just so many faces that I love but in like three dimensions and mm-hmm. I uh yeah so we've 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 got this game going with uh with uh Jay McCormick from um Stuff to Blow Your Mind and Ben Bolin from Everything and uh, uh Dylan Fagan our uh, super producer here I forget how it came up but we were talking about Dante's Down the Hatch right which I think it's Pirates we were talking about 
Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and and so Dante's Down the Hatch, for anyone who's not from the Atlanta area, was this like two-restaurant two, two restaurant chain of fondue restaurants that was pirate-themed or like seafaring-themed at the least. And like both restaurants had like a moat mm-hmm. with like part of a ship in it and you could eat on the ship and... And fondue, it was a lot, to be <laughs> honest. But um, but an Atlanta institution. And Dylan was relating th- this memory of of being a kid and going for birthday parties at this thing. Yes. And yes. So I was thinking, like, oh man, like, what do I want to do for a birthday episode? And then I was like, what about fondue? Let's talk about fondue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say, as a a D&D group that's, like, finally meeting in person. We have a lot of big aspirations uh, <laughs> for foods that we will make. And who knows? Maybe mm. one day we will fondue. Ooh. <laughs> it could be risky. Yeah. It does seem like a celebration food to me. Um, we used to do fondue in my family on New Year's Eve as kids, and it was always really exciting, but almost always a letdown food-wise. Oh. Like, the, the process of cooking it was really fun, but then the food uh-huh. was always kind of like, oh. Oh, man, it's melted cheese and bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or we did we did chocolate, too, and we also did, like, the meat. Oh, we and the oil? Out. Oof, oof, we went okay. Yeah, um, and I finally went to the chain, the fondue chain, the melting pot, a few years ago with my brother, my little brother, and they put us in the uh, romantic booth, as oh. they called it. And I had to explain that we were related (laughs) and not, in fact, on a date. And it was awkward for everyone involved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty amazing. I That's the kind of thing that you ask about before. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, hey, are you guys here celebrating something tonight? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think they were just like, oh, you know. Because we said we had a time limit. Because this particular... Uh, melting Pot is right next to our a theater here in Atlanta, the Fox Theater. And we were going to see a show after, and I think many assumptions were made. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I gosh. Um, uh, there were a number of melting pots in the area of South, South Florida where I grew up. And so part of my, like, like high school experience was feeling... So fancy at the melting pot with my friends for like special birthday dinners or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, like very, very high class. Yes. I, and for those who don't know, I mean, it's it's like a four course fondue thing. I think you can do less, but the typical thing is to do like a four course fondue experience. Yeah, it's just all fondue all the time. I mean, I guess they have a couple other options now as they have continued expanding. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but but this is just a fondue restaurant and it it's like it's like the TGI Fridays of fondue. Yeah. And nothing against either place. <laughs> right. Like they both serve completely serviceable meals. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's very much the vibe. Maybe a little less flair. <laughs> yes, less flair. Uh, much darker inside, in my experience. <laughs> and I think traditionalists, fondue traditionalists, would be shocked at the options they offer. Yeah. Um, but I did, when I was looking up that chain for this episode, I saw that they're doing to-go 
for uh, during pandemic times. And I was just like, huh, (laughs) wonder how that works. Does it come with a little, uh, what's it called? Sten, Sterno? Lock or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe? Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. But hey, could be fun. Could be. Uh, Could be disastrous. (laughs) Um, related to this episode, you can see our Gruyere episode, our mac and cheese episode, um, Mm -hmm. cream cheese, I think a little, and queso. Queso is related for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, but with that interesting group of, uh, of related episodes, and also if you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, that interesting group of anecdotes, uh, this brings us to our question. Indeed. Fondue. What is it? Well, uh, fondue is a category of dishes uh, that involves individual diners using these long, skinny forks to dip morsels of food into a communal pot of warm stuff. Uh, It's a dip tray, but fancy, uh, usually with a heat source at the table to keep the, uh, the stuff continually warm. I like dip tray, but fancy. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's correct. Yeah, that's a good that's, way that's to That's all it is. It. Fancy dip tray. Um, yes. Love a dip tray. Love fancy. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the morsels and the stuff can come in many different varieties, both savory and sweet. Um, the stuff may be a uh, melty cheese blend into which you dip pieces of uh, bread uh, or raw or cooked or pickled vegetables, raw fruit like apples, uh, cooked potatoes, or um, cooked proteins of any kind. Or um, you can have uh, the stuff be hot cooking oil, into which you would dip bits of uh, usually raw proteins, maybe some vegetables to cook them. Um, And this is sometimes called fondue bourguignon. Um, Or it could be a a melty chocolate blend, into which you would dip pieces of uh, cake or fruit or candies like marshmallows. Yes. And we're going to discuss that a bit later, but that was probably one of my favorite discoveries of this episode was like, and then America got a hold of this. (laughs) (laughs) So what do they do? (laughs) Sweet version. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have have you thought about this, but with chocolate, we said? (laughs) Marshmallows. Um, And marshmallows. Oreo cookies. (laughs) And Oreo. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so many. There was a place uh, on, on Oahu within... The Japanese market, yeah, that was just chocolate fountains with yes. so many different things that you could dip into them. Yes, and we were like children. We didn't go in. We didn't get anything, but we were like looking in through. Oh the yeah, window. like plastered on the glass, <laughs> yeah. like putting our greasy faces on it. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was. It's pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, cool is the word I would use too. <laughs> we are always the epitome yes, of that indeed. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh. And um, if you were thinking, hey, this fondue stuff sounds a lot like hot pot, um, which uh, is an East Asian kind of dish that usually involves uh, cooking morsels of stuff in broth or or stock at the table. But hot pot is a different episode, different episode. Um, Though I have heard of fondue restaurants adopting broth or stock options into their menus as well. Um, And there's also a variant that involves using hot wine to cook foods. Oh. Right? That. <laughs> that sounds slightly less dangerous and much more aromatic than hot cooking oil. Yeah, I'm into it. I'd like to try that out. Right? hmm Anyway, 
cheese fondue is uh, perhaps the most traditional and common type. Uh, the, the, the word for fondue stems from the French uh, fondue. I'm not sure if I said that right. I was trying to suggest the R. I've heard that you suggest the R at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a French verb uh, meaning um, to melt. Uh, the, the cheeses involved are traditionally Swiss or Swiss type in a nod to the dish's origins. Uh, the base is often Gruyere, um, but you can make or find all kinds of cheese blends. It's usually two or more cheeses. Um, white wine and garlic help uh, thin and flavor the cheese, respectively. And stuff like flour or cornstarch or potato starch might be added to help create that emulsified, melty consistency. Um, but other than that, all kinds of other seasonings can be added, um, herbs or spices like mustard or nutmeg or paprika or cayenne, uh, fruit liquor like kirsch, uh, cherry liqueur, um, or a tomato puree or paste or a bit of lemon juice. And the result is just savory and salty and can range in texture from like stretchy stringy to melty creamy, depending on how you prefer it and what cheeses are involved and what other stuff is in there. Fondue is a, it's, it's a party meal that's, you know, it's communal and familial and comforting and casual. Um, but that, yeah, like to Americans at least often feels sophisticated, like, like a special occasion, maybe because it involves like specialized cookware and servingware. There's just something about that long fork it makes you feel fancy. It does make you feel fancy. And plus, I think any meal that comes with instructions Oh, uh, yeah. does That's feel true. a bit more like, okay. You're like, ooh. Yeah. I mean, like, the cheese is pretty self-explanatory. But if you're doing the oil, you know, it's like, put in this meat for this thong or put in uh-huh. these vegetables for this thong. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got to pay attention. Eyes up, Reese. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And yeah, restaurants um, here either do not have fondue or like focus exclusively on fondue and sell it as an experience. It does have that, yeah, experience vibe. Yeah. And I really, I really do recommend for anybody who is not familiar with the melting pot, go look up type of fondues they serve because it is so kind of funny of like artichoke dip or like yeah i'm like is that a fondue is that what the okay all right okay sure cool Uh well speaking of lori what about the nutrition all right y'all uh peek behind the scenes when we put together an outline for the show uh there's a tab that says nutrition and usually that is a tab that i fill in and um (laughs) and in this outline uh annie put in a a little the first little note under it and it just is question mark And and I and I just left it like that because I feel like question mark really sums up what I could possibly say about the nutritional value of fondue. <laughs> it depends highly on on what you're what what ingredients you're using and how much you're eating. Uh, you know, it, it's I would say that an entire pot of melted cheese and bread is is a treat. That's in the treat category. Treats are nice, you know. Mm-hmm. As always, watch your serving sizes, eat a vegetable. Uh, Treats are good. Treats are good. Have a nice time. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel bad when I'm making these outlines and I'm like, nutrition, 
oh, this is going to suck for Lauren. And for this one, I was like, I really don't see how (laughs) she's going to answer this one. I'll put it in, but I don't know. Uh, That being said, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Okay, so the Melting Pot, which is an American chain of fondue restaurants, has 97 locations. At what I think was their peak back around 2017, they had 125 franchises internationally. Um, And according to the brand, they go through over 721,000 pounds of cheese and uh, 540,000 pounds of chocolate per year. Dang. Right? Wow. Um, yeah, other than that, it's hard to nail down yeah. uh, fondue numbers, surprisingly. But uh, <laughs> I, I did find this France, this France Today article um, that was really, I thought, funny. And according to it, uh, when it's chilly and cloudy outside, it is fondue weather. And this article went into fondue etiquette and superstitions, uh, things like the host tracing figure eights in the cheese to keep it from turning into a ball, um, or things like if your bread falls off into the fondue, you have to buy a round of drinks, or give someone a kiss if you're a woman, or maybe run naked through the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe do the dishes. There's a a lot of different options. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And there's even a name for the prized crusted and toasted cheese at the bottom La religieuse, or the nun, either because it's akin to a religious experience or because it has similar textures to a communion wafer. <laughs> <laughs> or both, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and supposedly, yes, according to this article, the way to to do it, um, to do fondue, cheese fondue, is uh, is not to not to scrape out every bit of cheese while it's still melty, but rather, yeah, to let that bottom layer really toast up. And then have that as kind of like the post fondue snack. Yeah, the nice finishing touch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's making me hungry. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, we do have some history for you. Goodness, we do. Uh, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... While some think that fondue was mentioned way back in 800 BCE or so in Homer's The Iliad with this quote, in this cup, the woman skilled as a goddess mixed them a strong drink with Pramnian wine over its shredded goat cheese with a bronze grater and scattered barley into it, glistening pure white, then invited them to drink when she had mulled it all. Many think it most likely originated hmm. somewhere in the Alps. <laughs> Much later. <laughs> um... The thinking is that when food needed to be stretched out in cold winter months, people would melt cheese with wine to dip stale bread and wilting produce into it to make it more palatable and filling. Add to that, utensils weren't necessarily commonplace. um, And, you know, around the fire was the warmest place to gather in cold months. Uh, People would gather around a communal pot, and there you go. Um, Dipping things in melted cheese is another thing that just kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, you have cheese, you eventually melt it. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, wow, what do I dip into this? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I feel like this might have occurred in several places at several sure. different times. Um, both the French and Swiss claim that fondue is their creation. Some say the Swiss may have been the first, but the French invented the more modern idea of cheese and wine melted in a pot over fire. I mean, I will say that the French versus Swiss Alps, it's which which one is which is a modern designation. Right. That's true. So, you know. But that's true. But I but I don't want to stop any any good natured arguments over food origins. So yes. y'all go out. Especially at it. melted cheese food <laughs> origins. <laughs> um And yes, of note, Chinese hot pots may have been in use over 2,000 years before fondue. Definitely a separate episode. Uh Um, Fondue bourguignon is thought to have originated in Switzerland, too. Workers would bring pots of hot oil to fields and cook slices of meat in it. However, there isn't really any substantial evidence to back that up. And in fact, some claim that this didn't pop up in writing until 1956 and the United States. Um... Again, just kind of makes sense to me. Uh-huh. Uh, so probably it did happen before that, but records are scarce. Yes. The first known widely agreed upon written recipe appeared in 1699. Recipes were fairly common in Swiss households in the 17th and 18th centuries, especially upper-class homes. Throughout most of history, fondue was made in clay pots over a fire, 
until the 19th century, the term cheese fondue typically referred to a dish of cheese and eggs, more of a souffle type thing and less of mm-hmm. what we think of when we think of fondue. Until the 19th century, it was difficult to produce hard cheeses in Switzerland outside of the summer in the Alps because that was the only time there was enough pasture for the herds to make enough milk for these hard cheeses. Dairy cooperatives were formed after the first agrarian revolution, and with improvements in feed, um, the cheese production was the cheese production increased. All of this cheese uh, really was a shot in the arm for the entire economy of Switzerland, and the cooperatives were instrumental in educating people about their products. However, cheese still wasn't affordable for everyone in the country, which didn't change until the 20th century. Yes, but uh, fondue as we know it today wouldn't be so uh, internationally popular and kind of uniform without marketing. A broad marketing campaign brought on by war and a cheese cartel. So much intrigue. <laughs> cheese intrigue. <laughs> Every cheese episode has intrigue in right? it. Right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> wonderful. All right, so let's start with war. When <laughs> World War I began, Swiss cheese producers were really worried about their livelihood. So they came together to form a cheese union of producers, makers, and exporters. Their primary goal was to determine the amount that they could export after providing for their citizens. Once they figured that out, they moved on to quality control and price fixing. And this was vertical across the entire production process, from farmers who produced milk, to cheesemakers, to cheesemongers, to exporters. Um, By 1918, after cheese exports from Switzerland halved during the war, um, this cheese union received government backing. Um, And supposedly, they even sent out a circular around that time that was basically all like, like, hey, y'all cheese production-related humans, uh, shape up to our standards or else. Wow. Cheese threats. Um, (laughs) With the backing of the government, the union decided to put most of their attention into three cheeses, Gruyere, Emmental, and Sabrians. This resulted in a lot of producers making a lot of these cheeses and then trying to find ways for people to use these cheeses to move some product. So the cheese union came up with what they called the national dish of Switzerland, fondue. Hmm. They went a step further and released regional recipes, additions like wine or tomato sauce or water in these cheeses. And the French got into the game as well. And yes, this marketing push was considerable. Apparently in the early days of the marketing push for fondue in Switzerland, the military helped it along and it was seen as a masculine dish to serve since there was sort of an honor associated with preparing it. Um, I would kind of hmm. liken it to maybe grilling. Uh, okay. I don't, yeah. Free tastings of fondue were offered to expose new people to it in places like grocery stores. And uh, this continued through the 20s and into the 30s. Uh, one of the slogans from the campaign, um, uh, oh, and it's in it's in Swiss German. I'm not going to attempt it. Um, but, but it means uh, fondue is good and puts you in a good mood. This slogan was so widespread that it became part of the common parlance and then became an acronym in the common parlance. Um, 
and I couldn't find a pronunciation for it, but uh, the Google. Oh, Fugugug. I hope so. For yes. Google. <laughs> no, the L's at the end. So yes, F I G U G E G L. I love that so much. That is such a fun thing <laughs> to say or to attempt to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fondue puts you in a good mood is indeed true. Yeah. True statement. Unless something goes horribly awry. But barring that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the campaign uh, went intercontinental by the end of the 1930s. Uh, in 1939, at the World's Fair in New York, uh, the Swiss Pavilion featured fondue. And after World War II, the cheese marketing ratcheted up once more out of Switzerland. Uh, And fondue became incredibly popular in the U.S. in the 1950s. Restaurants entirely dedicated to fondue started opening in cities across the country. Fondue awareness got a real boost in the country when it appeared at a different event at the 1964 New York World's Fair. By this time, um, the Swiss Cheese Union had set up in the United States with offices in New York City, uh, the Switzerland Cheese Association. Ah, yes. In the 60s, having home sets complete with pots to set over flames, especially forks, often with these cute little stands that you put them in, mm-hmm. became really trendy, sometimes called fondue party kits. This is also when chocolate fondue came onto the scene, The most commonly told story is that it was invented in New York by a Swiss man at a restaurant called Chalet Suisse, um, and fondue bourguignon was popular as well around this time. Um, Cheeses suitable for fondue became more common in American grocery stores. People excitedly tried out new recipes that they saw on television shows and ads Mm -hmm. or in cookbooks. While the fondue trend faded in the 70s, it experienced renewed popularity in the 90s and again in the 2010s. Yeah, it seems like basically once every other decade as uh, health versus comfort food trends uh, kind of switch places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it bobs up and down. Um, for sure, what one company that makes fondue sets, uh, Trudeau, sold a million fondue sets between 1996 and 2001. That's so interesting to me because I guess I haven't done, like I've been to the melting pot at one time. But ever since uh-huh. I've left, like, my home as a child, I have not done fondue at, like, someone's house. I have. Um, I have a few times. Yeah? Um, but, I, but I also have a bunch of friends who, you know, are the type of humans who, like, get together and make, you know, really pretentious classic cocktails and classic, <laughs> classic cuisine. And by classic, I mean either, like truly classic or like classic from the 1960s so mm-hmm. well that sounds lovely it uh, is yeah i wonder if my mom still has her set uh and she she was born in the 60s so i guess i think she inherited it oh uh, yeah but i wonder if that's why we did it is because she had these memories <laughs> she as just a had kid, a set and she yeah, had the set oh, and yeah. it's like special time on new year's eve <laughs> Aww. Um, to expand a bit more on that chocolate fondue story, um, the popular version goes that the fellow behind Chalet Suisse, this restaurant, was moving locations in New York City, um, and he was looking to really turn some heads with his big grand opening. And so he met with a publicist who was working with another brand looking to have a successful U.S. launch, Toblerone. 
The restaurant owner got the idea to use the chocolate in a sweet fondue fountain. Very eye-catching. So the story goes. Also, so the story goes, they knew that uh, traditional Swiss people would be like, the hell you doing? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also, this is something else that makes sense to me, and I feel like people were probably doing it before, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Dipping stuff. Yeah, once you have chocolate, you eventually melt it, and then you go, what what can I dip into this? Exactly. Exactly. Um, But it was funny, the articles I read that, like I mentioned at the top of people being like, well, the Americans got their hands on it, and now it's chocolate. (laughs) 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 Though he was a Swiss man in the United States, but yeah. Um, yeah. Fondue sets are apparently popular tourist souvenirs in Switzerland, and you can get them really fancy and in all kinds of colors. I would love to hear from listeners Mm -hmm. um, from Switzerland, if that's the case, or anyone who has a souvenir of this type. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you have a fancy fondue set in your yes. home, I want a picture of it. Oh, please. Yes, please. I was reading descriptions <laughs> of some of them. Like, this sounds like something out of, like, elven country in Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the first melting pot opened outside of Orlando, Florida in 1975. At the time, the menu had three items, Swiss cheese fondue, beef fondue, and chocolate fondue. Oh, and I didn't realize that this was a Florida thing, but it makes sense why they were so prevalent there mm-hmm. and, you know, less so everywhere else that I've been. Um, yeah. Any, anyway, uh, yeah, they began franchising in 1985, and um, during that aforementioned boom in the late 90s to early 2000s, they opened some 80 franchises. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a lot of fondue. It is. It is. Yeah, the more and more I think of it, like, the reason I didn't go until so late was I thought it was super fancy. You're Mm, right, Lauren. I uh thought it was like a, 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 they'll kick me out the second I come in type of place. (laughs) The Swiss Cheese Union, largely behind all of this, collapsed in 1999 over concerns of corruption and the high prices of cheese subsidies. And cheese and milk, yeah. Um, uh, over the years, milk subsidies to keep the industry afloat were costing more than the Swiss Army in oh any gosh. given year. Um, <laughs> which might be a joke about the Swiss Army, too. I'm not totally sure. But at any mm. rate. Um, uh, but yeah, their their power was impressive. Um, and and their their push um, in, the, in the U.S. is probably why when you say Swiss cheese, although the region has made hundreds, probably thousands of types of cheeses, you think of uh, one of those three union-approved cheeses, um, Emmental, uh, right. which is what, it's, 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 that, it's that, you know, wedge of cheese with the holes in it mm-hmm. that, like, mice go after mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, cartoon yeah. mice, real mice probably don't really care about it one way or another. <laughs> That cartoon mice only want cheddar are Swiss. That's all you ever oh, see. Oh, that's it's ch- cheddar as well. You're right. You're right. Yeah. We got to get our well. cartoon mice facts correct. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me honest about cartoon mice, Andy. I try. I try. Um, and yeah, many news outlets labeled this as a cheese cartel. And I got confused because at first I was seeing much more of like the cheese unit, especially the Swiss name for it. And then eventually I was like, wait, what's this cheese cartel? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I 
I've seen it described as like a mafia, like, like, yeah, reporting about it uses quite strong words. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2011, uh, I guess speaking to that nostalgia factor, uh, the first Captain America movie featured awkward, awkward Steve Rogers asking Peggy Carter about her relationship status by, by saying, are you two, do you fondue? <laughs> we fondant. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because a lot of articles use that, like, how do you fondue or do you fondue quote as the headline. And I was like, I know where that, I know that's a thing. <laughs> And I couldn't remember where it was from. Yep, there it is. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised that I got a that I got a Marvel reference in before you did. Heck, dang! I'm off my Marvel game. I don't know what's going on. It's okay. If we're being super honest, the first Captain America movie is not high <laughs> on on my list of quality Marvel films. Ah, uh, yes, it's Winter Soldier all the way for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, that's the, anyway, I'm like, how did you make Hugo Weaving being Red Skull boring? <laughs> I don't under... <sighs> anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and then, um, in 2019, this trio of researchers based in um, the Laboratory of Food Process Engineering at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich uh, published a paper in the ACS Omega journal called Rheology of Swiss Cheese Fondue, uh, ACS being the American Chemical Society, and Rheology being the science of, uh, of flowing, okay? <laughs> and in this article, they broke down the, the physics and chemistry of, of fondue, uh, the, being this multi-phase system with complex colloidal interactions, um, including how much starch emulsifier by weight is needed um, and how non-traditional stabilizers like xanthan gum or something might work in a fondue recipe, plus uh, how the addition of the right amount of wine helps create a pH level at which the cheese flows properly. And furthermore, how if you add a lot of or perhaps too much wine and wind up with a runny fondue, um, that can be countered by adding baking soda, um, which will raise the pH level and uh, also make the dish a little bit airier and creamier on the tongue. <laughs> I love this so much. There's so many things to love about this. Seriously, I it was one of the last things I found, and I was so happy when I did. Yes. I love rheology. <laughs> I love that this feels like if I had fallen asleep reading something and I like snapped out of it and was like multi-phase system with complex colloidal interactions. That could be a Marvel com- comic <laughs> or nothing to do with cheese. Like cheese would not be on the forefront of my mind no, reading no. that. But I love, I love everything about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If you Google like, like fondue cheese science um it'll it'll pop up so we have very interesting google histories on our- oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> i always like low-key hope that at some point someone looks into my google history and just goes what <laughs> who was this person <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel the mm-hmm. same. It was all for research. It was all Oh, for sure. For research. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is about what we have to say on fondue for now. It is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you, though, and we will get into that after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with the snowmail. Oh. Fondue. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna add, you know, that's called a button in acting when you just add a thing that's not in the script. Uh, (laughs) Some people hate it. Some people expect it. And that's the beauty of being an actor because you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) now you get to share it listeners (laughs) welcome yes welcome okay so we shared a recipe for adobo and uh the last episode we have another one um from ej so he wrote you were especially spot on that everyone's home recipe is the correct one and everyone else's recipe is wrong when I used to go to China, one of my Chinese friends asked me to cook adobo. And when I began to fry the meat, she said, no, 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 I want adobo. My oh. other friends tried to explain to her that every family had its correct. 
recipe. She was insistent on the non-fried version, so I think we ended up cooking it in two different ways to satisfy everyone. I am firmly in the have-some-level-of-Maillard reaction, but I still want some sauce camp. So in a pinch, I have come up with this totally non-authentic five-minute chicken adobo recipe. This idea came from my desire to eat buffalo chicken in rural Japan, but since meat is expensive here and I live alone, the traditional way was not worth all that effort. My solution was to use frozen chicken karaage, which I could buy in one kilogram bags, pop a handful into the toaster, and then coat with Frank's wing sauce. Hmm. It was born out of a necessity fusion cuisine. (laughs) I thought it worked well enough for buffalo chicken. Maybe it could work with chicken adobo as well. Here it goes. Use any chicken or meat that you could coat wing sauce with. Perhaps stay away from things that are too heavily breaded because you will want to drench it with the adobo sauce. The sauce, lightly fry some freshly chopped garlic. If I'm lazy, I use garlic in a tube. Until fragrant, but not burnt. I deglaze that with some about one-fourth cup vinegar. Back home, we'd use coconut vinegar. In Japan, I use rice vinegar. I have also tried apple cider vinegar, which is also nice. Generally, my preference is for the strongest one available. Hmm. Then I add soy sauce. Filipinos like to use dark soy sauce, but the best soy sauce is usually what you have on hand. (laughs) I add enough to get my desired color and taste. After that, I throw in half a bay leaf and some freshly ground black pepper and let it simmer for a couple of minutes to allow the flavors to mingle. If I find the taste a little too harsh, I would round out that flavor with half a teaspoon or more of sugar. Finally, I add a little bit of cornstarch or whatever thickener I have on hand, just enough to give the sauce something to help it cling to the chicken. I pour that sauce over the chicken, sometimes sprinkle some garlic chips and extra black pepper, and consume it immediately. Hmm. Many Filipinos like to eat it with sliced tomatoes or a salad made of chopped tomatoes and salted duck egg. Sunny side up or hard-boiled chicken eggs are also popular. I prefer to eat it with a side of baby leaf greens with cherry tomatoes and mixing in some adobo sauce as a substitute for dressing. Yeah. Now that is one of my takes on Filipino adobo. I've also done a pulled pork Filipino adobo, Chinese-style adobo, throwing a piece of star anise, and yes, I can talk about adobo all day. (laughs) Thank you for shining the light on my country's little appreciated cuisine. It is a cuisine firmly entrenched in the post-colonial experience. The late Doreen Fernandez notes, the Filipino words for fish and chicken are indigenous, while cuts of pork mainly come from Chinese loan words, while cuts of beef are derived from Spanish. In many ways, our cuisine did not develop too far beyond the staple dishes. It's always meant to be food to be shared at the family table. We had no royal courts to spur the development of gourmet Filipino food. This is why, in my opinion at least, that all Filipinos, rich or poor, consider food to be a communal experience. In fact, the standard greeting if you have a visitor in your house is, have you eaten or let's eat. Oh. Oh, I want that so bad. So I I tried the last recipe. I'm going to try this one too. I love the whole, like, whatever you have on hand attitude because that's generally my approach. Yeah. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and um, and I will put in that uh, the karaage uh, chicken is just like a kind of like a popcorn chicken sort of sort of consideration. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking for a substitute for for that, which I, I don't know, you might be able to find if you have um, have a Japanese market in your area. But yeah, you could probably just substitute any oh. uh, frozen popcorn chicken for that. That sounds so good. And also always love Frank's Red Hot. And buffalo chicken. Uh, right. So I'm into oh. that as well. <laughs> I like daydream about 
buffalo chicken all the time. Me too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, wing sauce is just so good. Anyway, um, uh, Claudia wrote, I work right across the street from a boba shop and had recently over the last year been obsessed with clear crystal boba. However, about a month ago, I realized I hadn't had traditional black boba in a while. So the next time I went to the shop, I got double black boba with my milk tea. Afterwards, I was distracted with work and ended up taking my tea home with me. And like always, I saved all my boba till the end since it's the best part. So I got to the bottom of the cup and then scooped spoonfuls of boba into my mouth with a spoon. I thought it was fine, but the next morning and all throughout the day, I had a stomach ache. Long story short, if you consume a lot of boba at a time, you can cause a partial inte- you can cause a partial intestinal blockage because boba is made of starch and if consumed too close together in time, will conglomerate together. I had no idea, but I hope this advice helps and will help someone out there who's also not aware of this. Thanks for making the show so great and sorry for the long as heck message. <laughs> Oh, no, don't apologize. That's a necessary fact. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, important. Well, good good safety tip. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Watch out for your boba. <laughs> well, now that I know what it means, it's even funnier. <laughs> right? Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh tyrannical. Oh, tyrannical. Um, Well, thanks so much to both of those listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. We would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.